Welcome back to Redline, a millennial tale of passionate love in the combative workplace set in Boston. Hop on board for the next episode of Pia's Tale here on Redline. The next Redline train to Alewife is now arriving. Our fight over bang for a buck didn't end the way Rod and I usually ended our lover spats. We didn't forgive, hug, kiss, or feel love again. Instead, we faked those motions while retreating into our own worlds. But when I woke up the next morning, I felt refreshed. It helped to see the beautiful day outside, an infinitely blue sky waiting for the sun to fully rise. I could hear birds chirping through the slightly open window. How happy they were, how full of song for spring. I thought of my drawings of Tien. I couldn't wait to page through them and start my painting. But then I saw the male hulk under the covers next to me, and his tousled red hair, his sleeping vulnerability, touched my heart. But I didn't reach out to stroke or kiss him. I wanted to be alone with the drawings. As I crept out of bed, Rod's phone on the nightside table caught my eye because the screen was lit with a message. It was from Wyatt. Dude, whatever you do, don't marry Pia. Only a sick bitch would diss you for bang for a buck. The cover stirred and Rod rolled onto his back, his arms reaching up for me. Good morning, gorgeous. Don't I get a hug? I passed him the phone and he rubbed his eyes to read it. Oh, I don't know why Wyatt wrote that. Because you complained. I went to the shower, my bright mood dampened. It was a work day and I had troubles at home and troubles at school. The hot water felt so good spraying all over me, as if I could wash away my problems. My mind kept repeating the same words. It'll get better, Pia. You'll be with students, teachers. You'll smile and laugh. Every day involves learning. Rod knocked on the door and came in to pee. On his way back out, he said, I was angry last night and I needed to vent. I'm sorry you saw Wyatt's message. I don't think you're a bitch and I would never call you that. He used that word, not me. Okay, thanks. I want us to be on the right footing before we head off to work. Are we? Yes. Good. Good. He left, and even though I was glad he had cleared the air, I knew that our ledger of wrongs against each other, most of them petty, was getting pretty big. When I got to school and opened my computer, Lori's email was waiting for me. Please come to the architecture meeting at 2 p.m. I couldn't help but wonder what Tian had said to her, or if he had asked the architect to call in and ask for the art teachers to be included. No matter how it had been handled, I knew there would be repercussions. I had lunch with Dixie in the teacher's room and shared my worries. Just be yourself, she said. I'm sure you and Ho have lots of important ideas for the architect. It's a no-brainer to include you. Dale knows that, but he pays no attention to how Lori runs the school. <laughs> He's too focused on his self-image as the prophet. <laughs> so, what about you and Rod? How are you doing? Okay, I guess. Are you still playing tennis? Yep, once a week. He's training me. That's the only thing that makes it fun for him. Actually, we've got a lot of bumps. It's all par for the course, unfortunately. What about you? Are you seeing anyone? Nope, but funny you should ask, because just this morning, I was thinking how I like being alone. 
First of all, I don't know where I'd find time for a relationship. I have Cal, and whenever I have a free minute, I like to read or get into one of my hobbies. There's no more room in my life. I think if I had a son, I'd be the same. Fine alone. But I want kids. Of course you do, and family life. And it's obvious Rod loves you. Don't you think it's funny how we pine for a lifelong love, but when we actually have a possible candidate, we're afraid of something so permanent? (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard, and I'm pretty sure I don't have it in me anymore. But then again, I never rule anything out. I keep vacillating. Half the time I'm telling myself to take the risk, but the rest of the time I hear warning bells going off in my head that were just like the Kreutzer Sonata. (laughs) Can't be that bad. But you have to be realistic. Long-term means round-the-clock work. A zillion frustrations and injustices, and it gets worse once you have kids. Even though they're the best thing that ever happened to either of you, it's, it's crazy. I keep wondering how trapped I'm going to feel when things are bad. Enough to get divorced. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, are you in Rod Free Thursday? My college roommate's in a group show of Puerto Rican artists downtown. A few others are coming from the school. We'll grab a bite afterwards. I'd love it. Rod, too. Lunch with Dixie was the highlight of my day. Everything else had friction. In mid-afternoon, Ho and I entered the small conference room next to Dale's office, where Tian immediately extended his hand to us. So glad you could come. We value your input. Ah, Ho! Lori said coolly, ignoring me completely. I'd like you to meet Lydia Sherman from JRK Design. Ho heads our art department. Lydia shook Ho's hand and then turned to me with a questioning look. I'm Pia Lamonti, the drawing and painting teacher. It's nice to meet you, Lydia. Her rare Botticellian beauty with a cloud of coppery hair wisping around her face held me captive. Paintings flashed into my head. The miracle of flawless delicacy. I'm so glad you could join us, Pia. I saw Lori's lips twist in a sour expression. Where's Dale? He's always late. He's always got his nose stuck in a book. As if on cue, Dale came in looking like a disheveled professor, his black glasses slipping down his nose and his white beard and hair in disarray. Dale never met people's eyes, and under the warmth of his voice, he really wanted nothing to do with other people. They took him away from his loftier pursuits. Lori opened the meeting. Let's start with the teachers so they can get back to their classes. She turned her glare on me. Didn't you prepare notes, Pia? You don't seem to have brought anything with you. This is your one chance to contribute to the future building. Yes, Ho and I made notes. I held up the notebook in my lap. Then don't delay. Read us your list. Fine. We'd love to see a sustainable building. (laughs) That's obvious. Sustainability is what Haskell's all about. What else is on your list? Dale interrupted. Lydia, did anyone mention to you that our capital campaign includes being 100% green by 2020? I already told her that, Dale. But he continued mildly. It's a point of pride for us that Haskell leads New England private schools in energy efficiency. I read your firm's website and see why Mr. Wu is so keen on having you design our new building. We consider ourselves Boston's best for green architecture, and we've also read everything available about Haskell. I can assure you our goals are the same. So, Ho and Pia, what else have you been thinking about? Well, light, of course, I said. Key, not just for artists, but also for the eco-building. We've already designed a number of studio spaces, including old warehouse conversions for artists. Our own spaces in an old beer works. We have a good idea about what artists and designers need. 
Go on, Pia. What else? Open space. Enough room for ten tables for individual projects, and additional space for easels and drawing. Counters and efficient storage. I don't think you need to tell Lydia these basic things, Lori said. Actually, thank you for bringing up storage, Pia, because I wanted to present various storage ideas for your and Ho's feedback. And don't forget about room for a printing press, a current model, Tian added. Yes, that's on our list. Printing's a big component of the curriculum, I said. Good, we'll include a space for printing and drying, Lydia said. And similar to now, ceramics should be on a separate floor, Ho said. And if you have a lower level, it should feel like a regular story, not a basement. Right. Lydia unzipped her portfolio on the table. I wanted to show you a few contemporary school buildings and art spaces and hear which styles you like and don't like. Ultimately, the art teachers won't be deciding the styles of our buildings. Perhaps this is a good time for them to head back to their classes. Seems to me their opinions are important. After all, they're the school's aesthetic eye, Tian said. Indeed, Dale said. And so the meeting continued, along with Lori's hostile vibes. We looked at Lydia's drawings and photographs and discussed their pros and cons for Haskell. I was aware of how no one's face or speech around that table showed any sign of noticing Lori's behavior. As soon as she put one of us down, Tian, Dale, or Lydia would make a pleasant remark and keep the meeting going. But eventually, Lori's loud voice drove off the others and dominated the conversation. I wondered what Lydia must think of our weird school politics. Finally, Ho and I were dismissed. You two can go now. We won't need you for the rest of our conversation. We said our gracious goodbyes and left. As we walked back to the studio, we couldn't help but comment on the meeting. It was so bizarre, Ho said, because I was there. Yeah, what's her shtick about you? I'm a threat. My phone vibrated Uh in my pocket and I pulled it out. Thank you for coming. I want to stop by after this farce is over. I quickly closed the phone, feeling a thrill that Tian had just typed a message to me while sitting in Lori's company. It felt like a victory. The phone Uh vibrated again, and again I glanced at it. She was so nasty to you! (laughs) Ah, such sweet vindication to read his words. At the end of the school day, I found myself seated in a booth at Bobolis facing Tian. Janice at the register personally delivered our cappuccinos. I want to know about your family. I know Baltimore has a little Italy. In fact, I've eaten there. Is that where you grew up? No, but my dad did. He's first generation. My mom's family have been here forever. We lived north of the city. And your father's an art historian. Yep, and good luck trying to read him. You have to be into conceptual art. (laughs) But I am. I love it. I love all art, including your work. Thanks. And your mother? She paints watercolors, especially botanical subjects. They're really beautiful. And your brother? Dan's a lawyer in Washington. He wanted to be a lawyer since kindergarten. His wife's one, too. I want you to bring them over next time they visit. We can talk about Sicily, one of my favorite places. Have you visited the Scala de Turkey? Oh, I can't believe you've been there. And Piazza Amarina, another favorite. Mm, I love the mosaics. They're timeless. Love and eroticism. Nothing changes. Sue, May, and I saw them in the pouring rain, but didn't even notice. We were too absorbed in the pavements. Do you have other relatives? Yep, in Palermo, my dad's side. They make furniture. In Baltimore, too. 
Let's find a Sicilian restaurant in the North End on Sunday. Um, you're worried Rod will disapprove? Yeah, and maybe he'd be right. I'm not sure. You mean he'd be right because we like each other. But I think that's okay. It's okay to like talking to each other. We could include Rod sometimes. Maybe. Don't you think it's hard for men and women to be friends or just friends? Yup. Our conversation ended, and I felt some disappointment. I was liking his validation of me and wanted to soak up more of it. He drove me to my car in the school lot, and we sat there for another 20 minutes chatting. Then he gave me a little goodbye hug, which I returned. It was a hug that sealed our budding friendship. Rod was waiting for me when I came in the door. I could tell he had just arrived himself because he still wore his parka. He loomed in the room with an ominous atmosphere surrounding him. Then he barked, I heard you had coffee with ping pong. What? Coffee with ping pong. Janice just told me. I must have just missed you by a few minutes. What's ping pong? Ping pong? Tian, the woman stealer? What? How can you say that? That's horrible. I, I don't know you. I want to know right now, Pierre. Are you attracted to him? I don't need to be interrogated as if I did something wrong because I didn't. He's a client and a school parent, and I definitely like him. I respect him. And you can't dictate my friends. I'm talking about attraction, and I need to know. Do you look at him and wonder what it would be like to go to bed with him? No! Well, well, the more you see him, the more chance you'll start to. I knew he was right, but I kept quiet and I changed the subject. So I had lunch with Dixie, and she invited us to an art opening this Thursday. Dinner afterward with school friends. What's the art about? Her friend's painting of Puerto Rico, where she grew up. I'll send you the link. The pictures are really beautiful. Cultural landscapes. What do you want to do for dinner? I want to go out. I'm not in the mood for cooking and cleaning up. I drove 300 miles today, so if you don't mind, I'll let you drive. How about Mexican? That way I can pour hot sauce on my food without worrying about your disapproval. Ugh, Rod, I don't care if you like hot sauce. I gave him a little hug to patch things up. He caught me hard against him, his face suddenly affectionate, and the switch surprised me. You're my beautiful sweetheart. But his voice was uncertain. All yours. I faked it. And we're getting married. His tone begged for confirmation. I can't wait. I lied. Should we move up the date? Hoping to finalize ownership, dictatorship? No, fall's perfect. I love fall. And we have the engagement party next month. That's enough for now. Then I want to make tonight extra special with champagne. I want to toast us and live in our own Pia Rod world forever. I hugged him tightly, but inside my mind I thought, dream on, my love. Why don't you understand that the love bubble is just a dream for you and everyone? The you and me in the bubble snuggle and kiss eternally, brainlessly. But in reality, we're warriors, like all humans. From birth, from DNA programming, we fight for our existence day in and day out. Tenacity defines us, and my tenacity rips you apart. I managed to maintain relationship harmony for the rest of the evening, however fake it was. 
I witnessed how we clung to that forced harmony through dinner, through lovemaking, and through seven hours of sleep. In the morning, we kissed goodbye before embarking on our respective workdays, just the way TV couples did in the 1950s. The only difference was, I wasn't standing by the front door in an apron while he put on his hat. We want to thank you for listening to episode 16 of Redline. Redline is written by G.D. Spilsbury and narrated by Anna Gravel, directed and produced by Fred Greenhalge, with assistant producer Grace Waldron. Redline is dedicated to Jim Cantor and Brooke Lambert. If you've enjoyed this Redline story, please tell your friends about us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews allows us to get more listeners, like yourself, so we can keep bringing you good stories. Learn more about Redline at redlinepodcast.com. That's redlinepodcast.com. Redline.